On this episode of the Movie Maniacs podcast, I'm going to be discussing one of the reasons why Lightyear might be failing so badly at the box office, and then discussing the newly released film, Phil Tippett's Mad God, and why I think it is a great masterwork and a great magnum opus for a really inspiring visionary when it comes to the world of stop motion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Movie Maniacs podcast. I'm recording this one a little bit more early in the day, but I uh, have a lot of stuff getting planned out, so just figured that I would come on here and do an early show. I talked a little bit of yesterday about how I was feeling like on the show we had discussed a lot of films that you know are very run-of-the-mill, very mediocre, very average and I think that they're not the most exciting films to discuss, or at least some of the films that I enjoy discussing the most in terms of all of the fun and originality that I think it can be so fun about films. A lot of that, I think, has been dampered down as of late, and I've talked a lot about that on the show, how I feel like we're losing um, some brightness in the realm of movie making and now I'm just at a, at a place where you know we talked about the Jurassic Park series and we recorded all those episodes and stuff and I thought that was a very I, I had a good time you know talking about it but I mean it was a very bleak you know series I, I just did not feel like there's a lot to discuss and uh those are for the most part original films I mean I know the first two are based on books but Something about them just really left a, a bad taste in my mouth by the time we wrapped things up, especially especially when we talk about Jurassic World Dominion, and I thought just how dull that movie was. It was, I mean, it was a, a good film to talk about, and I had a good time talking about it on the show, but I wanted to do something a little bit different because we've been talking about, uh, you know, certain films that I'm just not a, a massive fan of, you know, the Jurassic Park films and, and the Harry Potter films, which I've, I've really enjoyed those conversations, but they're not my favorite films. And I actually very rarely talk about some of my favorite films on the show. And I'm not exactly sure why I do this, but um, I haven't really discussed, you know, Star Wars or, um, you know, uh, some of the other like Tarantino films. And I have, you know, discussed 2001 and and uh, Seven. Uh, I have discussed them, you know, Heat, The Social Network, David Fincher. Um, but I decided that, I, you know, I hadn't really done that in a while. So what I'm going to do for the next few days is we're going to do some movie news and all the fun stuff that comes along with that. But we're also going to be discussing an original film, no source, no book. No previous film, completely original. And we're going to have a discussion on it. I'm going to talk about it. Give the, it, They're all going to be films that I really like. And I'm going to send them out as a recommendation to you guys. I'm going to put the trailer for each film in the description for the prior episode. And then you can watch the film and you can hop on the show and hear me discuss it. We're going to keep in with all the other stuff that 
you know, we normally do on the show, movie news and so forth. We may take a break. You know, Kenobi wraps up this week. And so I may take the time to discuss that show. But other than that, I think we're going to be staying pretty focused on some of these original films that I really do enjoy. Uh, some of them are new and some of them are old. I actually think most of these are pretty pretty new films, actually, which is good. I think it's good to remember because I can forget this sometimes. It's good to remember that we're still getting really, really good films. And I think that this is a, a, an important thing to remember because we do not want to focus on all the bleak stuff like, you know, a, a lot of the, the schlock that we get nowadays. That doesn't need to be the main focus. So what I'm going to say is we're going to talk about one little topic that I kind of discussed yesterday, but I'm going to continue talking about it. And then we're going to talk about the film Mad God, directed by Phil Tippett, and why I think it's one of the the coolest films that I've seen recently. And we're going to get into all of the conversation around that. Uh, the the uh, The one thing that I wanted to talk about before we get to the discussion around Mad God was um, <clears throat> this uh, Lightyear situation. You know, I talked a little bit about the li- last uh, last episode. And we're still kind of on this discussion point. I'm going to go to Screen Rant real quick because Screen Rant actually released a piece on why Lightyear is failing at the box office. And Lightyear is not doing good. And it's having a pretty weak opening. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the reasons I think Lightyear is not doing well. The reason I'm not going to be watching it. I don't plan on watching Lightyear, particularly in theaters. So I'm just going to look over here. Um, I guess just saying spoilers for light here, but who cares? Let's see. All right, we're seeing why. Okay, why to perform? I'm gonna I'm gonna read this out to you guys. There are several possible explanations for Lightyear's underwhelming performance. The first and arguably most important consideration is the nature of the story itself. Thanks to its slightly convoluted central narrative device, Lightyear is not a real origin story in the commonly understood use of the phrase. Instead of focusing on the origins of of the buzz that audiences are familiar with, the movie focuses on all new versions of the same character. While they share a name and elements of a backstory, the reality is that Lightyear is almost completely unconnected to the main Toy Story narrative, despite being part of the same series. Um, Let's keep going down. Oh, my computer just froze. Uh, Okay. This introduces another key problem for Lightyear. It's lack of recognizable Toy Story characters. Typically, origin stories and spinoffs can benefit from cameos and longer appearances from other familiar faces from the rest of a particular series. In this case, however, the nature of Lightyear's story prevents that from happening. Not only is Buzz represented on screen different from the version popularized by Tim Allen, but the story is missing much-loved figures like Woody, Jesse, Bo Peep, Rex, Slinky, and Mr. Potato Head. This lack of connection to what have arguably been Toy Story's greatest strengths means that any discernible benefit Lightyear may have gained from being Toy Story adjacent is lost. With so many changes and complicated developments at play, an original take on an origin story like Lightyear would usually rely on positive critical reception and good word of mouth to propel its success. Unfortunately, this is where the third major factor in its opening weekend failure comes to light 
comes to play. Unlike the critically acclaimed and almost universally adored Toy Story series, Lightyear has received a decidedly lukewarm response. The movie currently holds a 76% positive rating on review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, comfortably lowest in the franchise. Although its RT audience score is slightly higher, its IMDb rating sits at a mediocre 5.3, indicating an unfavorable audience reaction. This reception, coupled with the movie's inherent issues as an idiosyncratic sequel, could explain why Lightyear has so underperformed at the box office. Okay. Um, to me, what I got out of that in, in a roundabout way, because listen, I use Screen, Lamp, Screen Rant a lot for movie news and kind of getting the jump on things so I can discuss them with you guys. But Screen Rant has a lot of issues. It's got a lot of issues. I think in many ways it's almost biased. Not that it's like a Disney shill, but it's almost like it's jumping around certain things. And I think there's a more blunt way of putting it. I'm going to put it. I just don't think that this it was a, a movie that anybody was really that excited for. And, and a movie that is predicating on just relying for word of mouth and ultimately not being that good, well, that's, a, that's just a problem for Lightyear. If the reception isn't good, well, that's Lightyear's fault. That's the film's fault. It's not like this is some grand, you know, alignment of the stars for this movie to fail. No, it just means that it wasn't a good film and people aren't liking it. So ultimately, that's a problem. And, and I want to share a story for you guys because I talked about yesterday how um, I, I put a review out on Letterboxd for, for a film that was probably controversial, ruffled some feathers, and... What I saw was the review that I put on that documentary, and many other reviews were were um, uh, blocked, you know, hidden, whatever you want to call it. I went to the page, and normally where Letterboxd has all the ratings, there was no ratings for the film, and I know people have rated this movie. There were no reviews for this movie, and I knew people had reviewed this movie on Letterboxd. I could go find them, right? But but they were not shown on the movie's main page. So Letterboxd had been silencing or blocking these reviews from being shown. And then I uh, was just pretty surprised by that. Uh, that. I thought that that was so crazy for even a site like Letterboxd to do something like that. And I saw something similar with it on IMDb. I went to the ratings on IMDb last week. And... I wanted because I wanted to see what the audience reactions were thus far. Like, were people enjoying this film? Because I didn't even know if I was going to get to see it, and I don't think I am going to go see it. But I'm just like, I, I go over to the Lightyear page, and I go to the reviews. Like right now, Lightyear is at a 5.2, so it's even lower than what this article originally said when it was released. You go to the ratings. And yeah, let me see here. Go to the ratings. And all and I saw these reviews and it was all talking about, you know, how woke this movie was. Do not let your kids watch this film. And it's, you know, the typical Disney indoctrination stuff. And that's what I've been talking about on the show. And I, I, I'm telling you guys tons of these reviews, tons. And I, it wasn't just like two or three. It was like 10, at least 10, 
which is quite a lot for all of them to be saying the same thing. And I was surprised, and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy." So I go to show, I go to show my mom later, and I go to pull these reviews up, and they're all gone. They're all gone. Coincidence? I think not. So we're seeing this common thing here where people are not enjoying the product and they're not enjoying the indoctrination. They're not enjoying the ideology. So they're not going to go see it or they're going to put out bad reviews on it only for those reviews to be blocked by companies like IMDb and Letterboxd. This is a massive problem, but it has not changed the fact that despite IMDb and Letterboxd trying to you know, block these reviews from being shown, and that is 100% what they're doing. It still is showing a diminishing box office. Now, there are two ways of looking at this, and I think both are valid. People had no interest in this film, and they listened to what people were saying when they went to go see it, and it wasn't good, so they didn't watch it. There's one point. Or, and I think it's more of an and uh, conjunction, where... People are tired of the of the indoctrination in their kids. I don't go to a film to uh, be lectured. I don't go to a film to um, have a political ideology forced upon me. And listen, I'm fine. You put your stuff like that in an adult. You know, I, if Marvel does it, I honestly am less aggravated about it. I still am, but it's a less so because you put PG-13 on the rating. And yes, kids are going to watch those movies, but there is a warning, right? And I still think it's ridiculous. I still think it's stupid. But a film like Lightyear, a what a, a PG film that is targeted for kids, kids are going to be watching this. Uh, to me, that rubs me the wrong way. And like a film like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once had things I didn't agree with. But ultimately, I went along with it because, I mean, we're watching a, a more mature film that's taking this at a, from a more, I think, concerned standpoint where it actually cares. Lightyear and all of these other woke films do not care. They're here to please you because how many times has Disney been called not woke enough? I mean, all the time they're called this not woke enough. They don't go too far. And they're, they're always playing it safe. And now they're, I mean, going balls to the wall crazy. I mean, 50% LGBTQ characters in their films, right? There aren't even 50% of LGBTQ people in the population. It's not even 5%, guys. It's not even 5%. So I don't really understand what's going on. It's, it's crazy to me, but... Not only does Lightyear have zero interest and zero, you know, story that looks intriguing or character, anything like that. I never wanted this film. I was happy to go see it because I like Pixar, but um, I think a certain part of this is people getting tired. Oh, people are getting tired of going to the to the movies and then being lectured or having to have this ideology forced upon them. I'll look at it this way. Top Gun Maverick made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Let me just look it up here. Top Gun Maverick box office. There we go. 
All right, so Top Gun Maverick box office. How much did Top Gun Maverick make at the box office? Eight hundred million worldwide. Lightyear got twelve million. Lightyear opening weekend gross or box office. So opening box office fifty one billion in North America, seventy million. Disappointing. That's what I'm hearing. Disappointing. Top Gun Maverick. Gun Maverick opening weekend box office. 86 million. So about a 10 million difference. And it's likely going to grow. Right? I mean, Top Gun Maverick is still going strong. Lightyear is going to grow. But the point stands. We're seeing a film like Top Gun Maverick succeed at the box office beyond expectations beyond expectations nobody thought top gun maverick was going to do this well nobody thought that but now we're seeing a film that i mean top gun maverick had no nothing that felt like it was an indoctrination attempt it didn't feel like it was trying to be woke or trying to be current Top Gun Maverick did what it wanted to do. That was remind you of classic blockbuster films and how fun they can be. And it was a blast. And it was one of the best films of 2022. Easily the most fun film in 2022. Maybe not necessarily the best, but easily the most fun film and one of the most enjoyable times I've had in a theater for quite some time. Then you look at a film like Lightyear, which, you know, is having the exact opposite. It's trying to do the exact opposite. And, you know, we're getting press, right? We're seeing this press from Chris Evans calling people idiots and stuff like that. Uh, just this ambassador for Disney. And he's doing – and it's awful. It's like just garbage stuff. It, it's garbage stuff. And we're seeing an underwhelming box office. Is it a possibly a lack of interest in story? Maybe. I, I'm not closed off to that. But I think there's also a certain point of view that you have to look at this. And, and it's where a movie focuses most on – a on like you know giving its audience the best time and doesn't really care about anything else it doesn't care about trying to stay current or giving us some you know you know current agenda um well then you see you see film on top of top of the maverick do a lot better at the box office and a film like lightyear is doing very very uh poorly in terms of the expectations that disney and pixar must have had for it so that that's a, a perspective that I'm seeing, and it's one that I'm leaning towards. Where uh, you're seeing this compare and contrast here between these two films, and honestly, it's it, it's not surprising to me. Um, films are gonna like Lightyear are going to continue to come out, and more than likely, I think they're going to continue to fail, fail and underwhelm. People don't want this. I think that's what is being understood here. People don't really want. All of this stuff in their films. Just give me a fun time. And it's not even like it's coming from a genuine place. It's coming from a, we have to keep this certain demographic on board with us because we just have to. And we got to get money. Nobody cares about this stuff. And they may act like they care, but they don't. And so that's what I'm seeing here is this comparison between Top Gun Maverick and Lightyear. I think that Screen Rant had good points. I think they tried to put a fancy way of saying nobody cares, which I understand. I don't know why anybody would care about this film. It it doesn't really excite me all that much besides it being a Pixar film. And that's it.
So um, there you go. I've said my two cents on it. Um, but let's talk about Mad God here. Let's let's get into the film that's in the discussion, uh, and it's on the title of the episode. So let's discuss it. Um, I saw this film Sunday night after we wrapped up a good Father's Day. I have been very excited for Mad God, and it was a re- I thought it was going to come out in 2021. It did not. It finally came out in 2022. It is on AMC Plus and Shutter, and I've never seen one of these Shutter films. But anyway, I was very interested in this film. I put the trailer on the description for Jurassic World Dominion. I'll put the trailer in the the description for this episode as well, just as a reminder. And then I'll put the trailer for the next film that we'll be discussing in the description. And I got to say, this was a film that I was excited for, mainly because of its visuals. And I'm not normally a style over substance type of guy, but man, this film had a lot of style in that trailer. And it was it just showed to me this absolute craziness madness the stop motion you know sci-fi dystopian mad max atrocious you know horrific picture and i was so excited for it it looked fantastic and i mean phil Tippett says that he spent 30 years making this and it completely felt like that it felt like this took a load of effort to make and it ultimately pays off i think it's uh, really an astounding piece of work, and this is a, a film that I would do. I'm not, I don't think it's going to work for everybody, and I want to make that clear here. Uh, I'm recommending this film 100%. I think that you guys should try and watch it, and maybe even just have it on the background. But it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for you know people who have to be entertained and every minute of the film, and and that's okay if you're not if you're one of those types of people. I get it, and I'm that type of guy. Um, in certain moments of the day. So it's not going to be a film that everybody's going to like, but I think it's going to be a film that a lot of people can appreciate when they watch it. It's 80 minutes. There's essentially no dialogue. And I mean, it takes you through this incredibly insane journey. It almost reminded me of like a a Greek, like um, almost, a, almost a mythology type of story of this character going through these layers of madness in this, you know, uh, future, you know, dystopian um, hell, essentially. And it's uh, it's an incredible vision to watch take place. And it completely, you know, caught me uh, by surprise. And honestly, some of the ways that it impacted me, because, I mean, I knew that this film was going to have, in, you know, great visuals, and it does. They are incredible. I want to give all the credit to Phil, Phil Tippett because when the credits roll, this guy has the most credits. I mean, he's part of the you know design, directing the script, every about every aspect of this film. Till Phil Tippett was behind, and so he completely deserves the credit when you praise this film because this is the guy who I think really did make it all happen. And Phil Tippett has been around for a long time. He helped design some of the original Star Wars films. He worked on um, even some new stuff like the Book of Boba Fett, um, you know, RoboCop. And he's been a part of some uh, really big stuff. I think that the guy at this point uh, deserves a lot of credit for the work that he has done in the you know, in the film era, and he's, you know, provided a lot of, uh, how should I say this, um, 
a lot of growth. I mean, I'm looking at his credit credits here. Jurassic Park, Return of the Jedi, Jurassic World, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, RoboCop, uh, Starship Troopers, Willow. I mean, the guy has been a part of some massive films, and he's provided a lot of evolution for visual effects and, um, you know, I mean, Return of the Jedi and all these other great films. I mean, he's been a part of. So I think that he deserves credit for a lot of those films. I mean, obviously we give them to the directors, of course, but I mean, you cannot forget a lot of the people that work on these films very hard. And when it comes to the visual effects, I think Phil Tippett has proved he's one of the best to have ever done it. And I think Mad God is truly his magnum opus. You could say it's a, it's a combination of everything that he's worked on. It's a, you know, a full, you know, Last Cry, bringing in all of the components that he's clearly loved to work with over the years. And it's he's going out with a bang here. And it is insane. It is incredible. The amount of detail in the frames blew my mind. And anytime I watch a stop motion film, I'm like trying to figure out like, you know, how they did it. Like, this is so crazy. I couldn't do it, you know, I, and I rarely ever do. But I mean, just uh, there was even a shot of like this boot, just a focus on this boot walking across the dirt. And I thought, how, how did they do that? Like what exactly was the setup here? Maybe this is just because I'm, you know, somebody who likes to film things and, and I'm always trying to figure out how certain things are done when it comes to making movies. That might've been one of the reasons that I was interested in, in seeing how the, you know, they were getting all of this stuff done, but man, I mean, it's an incredibly impressive film and, I, I can't spend too much time talking about the visual effects because I think if you watch the trailer, then you know just how good they are, just how you know, you know off the cuff and crazy Phil Tippett goes. I mean, from the main character having this like gas mask, and then these all of these aliens who are you know just mutated, deformed, and insane with all of these you know dystopian landscapes that the the main character constantly is going through the combination of stop motion and some actual humans in the film that kind of looks bad, but almost on purpose. And it's, uh, oh my gosh, the film blew me away from the poster to the trailer to the actual product. The film is a masterpiece when it comes to crafting a great film. Tim Burton, who? That's what I said at the end of the film. Nightmare on, Nightmare on Christmas, what? You know, like I think like all those other films to me went out the window because Phil Tippett has crafted something that to me is such a sweeping vision and, and connected with me more than those films did. And that's no disrespect to them. They're great. But man, something about Mad God uh, just feels like a masterclass in how to do stop motion and getting your vision out there through this medium that is not used a lot anymore. Not, not a lot of people are using stop motion. And I think it's one of the coolest ways to make a movie. It is awesome. And not everybody has that patience to, you know, make all these molds and move them like, like barely, not even an inch at a time, a millimeter of a millimeter of a millimeter to get just walking. It takes hours just to get a shot of somebody walking across, you know, a desert or something like that. It is insane, you know, the amount of uh, detail that has to be paid when you're making something like this and not only is the stop motion incredible, but the design around, you know, the, the moving object and, and the way that these sets look and the costumes, the vision, 
right? It's not just how cool the stop motion looks, but the vision around it, the ultimate, the ultimate plan that Phil Tippett had when making this film is off the chain crazy. And it is, it is actually a pretty quiet film for a large part, but there is something horrific about the quietness where I kind of came in expecting this loud film. And occasionally it has these horrific bursts of loudness and, you know, violence and pain. And it, it is a pretty shocking movie at times and the level of violence and um, grotesqueness that it, that it goes to. But there's also something equally as disturbing in the, the the quietness as this main character who you kind of relate to just because he is you can tell that he's kind of new to this world and he's like on a mission with this map that's crumbling and in the later parts of this episode we're going to kind of talk about some of the symbolism behind it but it's a very cynical one it's a very pessimistic one and the movie ultimately is is about you know I, I mean, I think the main character kind of represents us humans getting sent out on a mission by our, you know, our creator, this this God who is kind of, I think, is played by, uh, you know, the what kind of the one human in the movie, uh, with the exception of somebody else, Alex Cox. I, I think that's the guy. But there are, it's really about this main character with the gas mask coming down with this map that is slowly crumbling on this mission um, that is going to fail ultimately and is bound to repeat over and over again. And there's no hope. There's nothing that he can do about it. And not only does this movie give me chills and the visuals, but it also give me chills and gave me chills. in I think the symbolism that Phil Tippett's going for, I found it to be very effective breaking down the visuals and, and the symbolism behind this movie is a tricky task. And I'm going to preface by saying that, you know, not everybody's going to like this film. I want to make that clear. Don't go to, into this movie thinking that it's going to be something that's up your alley. And if, that, if it, the trailer doesn't look like something that you're going to enjoy, then it's probably best to stay clear from this movie. Because if you're not in the mood to waste the 80 minutes on something that you might not fully love and enjoy, which is, un, which is okay and I completely understand, then I, I, I would suggest that you stay away from this one because it is going to be, I think, a more you know, challenging film. It is a little going to be a little bit trying. It does test your patience at times. Uh, but I think the ultimate payoff is um, something that really did leave me chills. And what is interesting is the build of symbolism that Phil Tippett accumulates over the course of the 80 minutes. Because originally, like the first 40 minutes of the film, I didn't really understand what Phil Tippett was going for i mean i was seeing all this symbolism around the horrors the horrors of you know war and the dying you know cause that this guy is sent out on the the failed the mission that was never going to work because of this map crumbling and uh just a slow deterioration into this inevitable pain and death which i thought was uh you know Really interesting symbolism at first, but by the time we were reaching the end, I realized that Phil Tippett really was building these themes up in a way that I wasn't picking up on or he was hiding in the first 40 minutes. So the film is a build of understanding what what exactly the what exactly our director here was going for. And it's filled with these little microcosms of 
interesting themes in and of itself. I mean, we have these insane doctors who are keeping, you know, they, they have this lap of, you know, horrors and, you know, things that could probably cause, un, you know, imaginable pain. But then I have this one bottle that is filled with this luscious, you know, like world of beauty. And it's always hard to comprehend how they have this, you know, this great thing of beauty in this this room that is full of, you know, horrific things. And it's run by these people who've who've caused, you know, you know, nuclear eruptions. And and ha like we have this moment in the film where <clears throat> they take a like an essence of life almost and they they perform some sort of experiment on it and it explodes and you go into like this this really trippy like three minutes of like watching this world like grow and rise up and you realize the world is like almost our own and it shows in just the 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 span of three minutes the world rise and then tumble and be destroyed through you know like nuclear holocaust essentially and it dies and it's just almost just like this is the future this is undeniable and we're never going to escape the the pain that ultimately humanity is going to create or you know life essentially does this to itself whether it's humans or it's these weird alien creatures it doesn't matter the the pain that's going to be caused by whatever it is greed you know whatever type of sin that you think of it's going to all accumulate and as we rise up, maybe things are looking better. It's all going to tumble back down. And this is inevitable. This is what happened to, I think, the world that the film takes place in. And then these scientists, or this main scientist, creates this whole world in like three minutes. And you watch this, the beginning, and then you watch the end. And it's this full cycle. And you're seeing that this is only going to happen over and over again. And there are an infinite number of worlds where... This is happening, it, and it will always happen. And it, the movie just provides this concept of this is inevitable, and there is no escaping this. And it is a very nihilistic, it is a very pessimistic film, and that's not going to be a, a, an idea that works for everybody. It's not going to be something that everybody's going to enjoy. And it, it's a hard, you know, like theme to sit through. It's not like something that's very pleasing. It doesn't provide a lot of hope. But it felt very defeating by the end of the movie, but that's exactly what Phil Tippett, I think, was looking for. This movie provides no hope, and I expected a film like this to kind of end in such a way where it was like, things may be bad, but but there is hope, right? I mean, there's still a chance that that our main, our main characters or whoever, our protagonist, gets out of this situation, and ultimately, it's, it's going to, you know, be okay, and there is something that we can cling on, cling on to, this film does not provide anything like that. It only provides a story that is fully intent on destroying any sense of hope that you had. Because I was, that's what I was thinking. I was like kind of having this hope that, hey, maybe our main character gets out of this situation. That I mean, in like the first 30 minutes of the film, and you know, this is kind of a spoilerish review, but I mean, our main character already faces like this situation that. You think he may be able to get out of it, like you're just clinging on to it, but you realize, nope, our main character is like essentially done. And then you're left with you're left with this really confusing state. Well, now what? Like what's going on here? And and, and what are we doing? And we get this really weird, you know, like um dissection of our main character in this, and then you don't even know what's happening. But the the the, the scientist who is performing this dissection dissection, whatever you want to call it, he dives into 
our, the main character's memory. And he, like, through this really, you know, weird thing, whatever. And he goes in, and I don't, didn't even really understand fully what was happening. But you realize that you're watching, like, the past, you know, like, his, the, this main character's past like life or whatever and and how he went about or how he started on this mission and he is sent from the people from you know like the the person that um he i guess his kind or whatever worship um the the like kind of the main human character of the story played by alex cox and it's a a, a very interesting thing where alex cox puts our, our kind of our main character in this like pod, whatever you want to call it, and I and I'm not like what exactly is going on here. I'm not sure I'm understanding. And then you realize that what we're watching is the beginning of the mission, and we don't even really fully understand what this mission is. What is this film is almost a dark comedy, and that this main character is given the briefcase, this briefcase that he's going to put down, and it's full of dynamite, and it looks like he's sent to explode something. And I'm, this was one of the parts of the film that. I didn't really comprehend. I wasn't quite sure what was going on, why the briefcase was so important, what exactly the meaning of these of this explosion was going to be. But we see in the beginning of the film that the main character puts this briefcase down and proceeds to light up the you know the the explosions and starts the timer. But the sick joke in the beginning of this film is it the, the clock has a malfunction in the last like second and it just flips back to fifty nine. 58, 59, 58, and it never reaches the full minute to where it can ultimately explode. And it, that is kind of the first sick joke of the film is he made it this far all for nothing, and now he's going to get brutally punished for it. And that is kind of the first, you know, sign of like true like nihilism, I think, in this film. Or not really. I mean, we see like from the beginning of the film, we see this tower it, is, it represents on top where you can clearly see the sky and the clouds. We never see that again in the film. We only see these layers that are underneath it. And the movie kind of slowly goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkness, into you know the absolute pits of whatever this world is. And we, you know, our, our main character is kind of slowly going down these levels. And one of the one of the levels that I thought was the most like disturbing and perfect for what I thought Phil Tippett was kind of trying to explain with his themes was we see these like straw men out working and they're just like re they, they are born quick. They go work and they go to work and then they're destroyed and they just get wiped out left and right. And these, they're constantly living in this fear of these flying objects coming through hitting and killing them they live in this this horrible place and you and just in the span of like 10 minutes maybe not even 10 you understand the pain that these characters are not even characters but just these things are going through you have no emotional tie to them you just see these weak looking you know uh like straw or whatever yarn made people or whatever, walking around and doing all this heavy manual labor only to just get wiped out at the you know flip of a nickel, just like that. And it, it, it's a comment on, I think, like the workplace, a comment on, you know, the just the lack of caring and some and just for, you know, you could be wiped out 
just like that. And they're serving this, like, this, you don't even understand what it is, like this baby or something that's in the television. It was just, it was crazy. And on the one hand, I'm just like in awe of the vision. I'm in awe of, you know, the, the world of madness that Phil Tippett really has created. He is kind of the the mad god of the film in terms of just the carnage and craziness that he has created. But at the same time, I'm kind of slowly understanding the world that Phil Tippett is trying to create in terms of, you know, what exactly he's trying to say with this film. It's kind of beginning to get more and more clear. And even now, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't fully understand the full vision of what Phil Tippett was going for, but I have, I have the grand, I think I have the blueprint for sure. I have the, the overarching blueprint and I've, I've kind of already said it on the show, but it is this about the, this uh, protagonist going on this mission with uh, this dying you know plan that was, was never going to work with this deteriorating map in a box or of dynamite that was never going to go off. And was the plan was never going to work, and ultimately it was just a sick joke, and it was all just you know, uh, for for whatever it it served no purpose, and ultimately he is in a worse place for following his master and going out on this mission, and it's a it's a pretty sick vision. It's it provides no hope, and I kind of mentioned originally I was kind of clinging on to the idea that maybe our main character is going to make it out. The film was going to provide us with some sort of theme of hope, like, oh, maybe we get out of this, you know, or whatever. And there is still hope in the future. No, that, that is not the film that Phil Tippett is making. He is making a movie that is full of nihilism, uh, anger, destruction, violence. And it's I think it's a fascinating film to go through, watch, dissect. I will watch it again at some point whether it's on AMC Plus or Blu-ray. I hope this film comes out on Blu-ray so that I can own it officially in a, in a, uh, a more physical manner. But, I mean, it, the film isn't asking for much. It's asking for 80 minutes of your time. And by the end of that 80 minutes, I felt like I had went through this incredible, incredible experience. It really was just like in, on anything like unlike anything I've ever experienced. And uh, I, I, I would give it a 9 out of 10, a really strong rating. Uh, the half is really only based on a lack of full comprehension of what Phil Tippett was going for, because I'll just have to return to it and dissect it further. Because when I went into this film originally, I just was like, take me on this experience, Phil Tippett. And I just like laid it back and I was like, oh my goodness. And it was just, you know, I, it was instantly surrounded by this world of craziness. And, and each scene after the next is craziness and horrific and terrifying in its own way. And even the final like 20 minutes of the film are devastating and just, I mean, it is almost like a 2001 type of film. And when you try to explain a certain scene that made you feel impacted, it doesn't even really make sense. Like, why was this so impacting to me? I don't even understand why it connected with me on, on such a level. But that really is just the power of film. Film can connect you with uh, the theme, with the concept, and the horror of it, in a way, is just that you are, you know, appalled by how sick the the joke is going to go, how sick the theme is going to, you know, delve as it goes deeper and deeper into the madness of, you know, Phil Tippett's world. And as we, you know, we kind of are shown this grand plan that Phil Tippett has for Mad God um, about this 
main character who going on this failing mission and the pain that is that is ultimately going to happen to him. And through this person's experience, we see the craziness of this world. It, it's a great vision, uh, truly on a visual spectac on a visual level. I think this film is unrivaled in terms of what it's trying to do. I don't think a film has done this type of movie better. And it's a, a really an incredible vision, but it, it is also an incredible vision in terms of themes, not just in the way the movie looks. And a lot of people are going to spend time talking about, you know, how great the look of the film is. And of course, because it, it really is just incredible how this movie looks. It's, fantastic it, it really is insane but i was equally as impacted by the symbolism and the the overarching narrative of themes that phil Tippett is going for here it really is uh, a, a a marvelous vision and uh i come i definitely recommend it not everybody is going to like this movie and i understand that it is going to be challenging I hope to return to this movie in the future because this is still a very fresh film of me. I've seen 2001 like six times. So I have a, I have a better understanding of that film and what it's going for because I've seen it so many times. Mad God is going to be a film that I think I'll only understand more and more as I watch it. But the same, you know, wonder and, you know, just the, the, the otherworldliness of the, of the, of the movie, not just in, it being taken place at, in a different time or in a different world, but in the way that the, the these themes are just so nihilistic, it really was shocking because, I mean, I think that we've been kind of, uh, you know, we've kind of been put through this cycle of having a, you know, a film that maybe says that everything's going to be, you know, awful and you're, you're put into this dark world and, oh man, is there any hope? And then you do kind of realize like, even even True Detective season one, which is gr a great season, but even even that show had like in all in all of that pessimism and in all of that darkness, there was hope, and that is kind of what we see in, I mean, just about every film nowadays is they'll put you in this world of darkness, they'll tell you, oh, it's not gonna get any better, and then the main character has like some sort of realization. Well, oh, you know, there's hope. That moment got out. A lot of films do that. And that's not a problem for me, but it was such a different type of, you know, experience to be put through this um, really just disgusting vision with lots of grotesque violence and, and horrific stuff that's not going to be for everybody. And if you're too sensitive to that type of stuff, then definitely do not watch this movie. But... When you're you're put through all that, I was expecting the movie to have some sort of final note saying, "Oh, it's you know we're gonna you're, in the end we'll make it out and we'll be okay and it's gonna be all right." That is not the film that Phil Tippett has made. Ultimately, the movie ends on a note, kind of laughing at the idea of purpose, where we think that our our protagonist might have some sort of grand mission that's going to work because he is sent by this higher power. And listen, I don't agree with, you know, uh, if Phil Tippett is tr like truly trying to make some comment on religion. Yeah, I I'm a Christian, so uh, maybe Phil Tippett and I have a completely different way of looking at the world. But when it comes to, you know, looking at movies and what is impactful, this type of stuff is still deeply moving, even if I might disagree with Phil Tippett 
on certain aspects of what he may be trying to say, but I don't know really how deeply Phil, T Phil Tippett feels about what he's saying. He is really just trying to show you a world that he has crafted, and he may not agree with the actual themes that he's putting in, and I don't think that he has to necessarily, but ultimately the movie ends with the idea of this whole thing just being some sick joke, and it ends with this cuckoo clock coming, you know, at, at the end, and I don't know, it was, it was left me with such a, a stinging like after effect where I just sat there and the credits just rolled over and I didn't even turn the TV off. I was just like, what did I just go through? What did I just experience? So much of it I still don't fully understand. I loved the stop motion and I loved a lot of the themes. I was able to really get a grasp on what Phil Tippett was going for. Um, but I wanted to talk about this film because certain movies like this are really good to have a discussion around. And I wish that I had, you know, somebody like Patrick on the show right now to like get a second perspective in on this film because I've brought in some of what I think this movie means. Uh, I would love to know what you guys think this movie means because I think that it's the type of film where people are going to pick up on different things and try and piece together what exactly the vision is. Uh, but this is a very good film. I, I really was moved by the vision and not just stop motion. But in its themes, even though I didn't pick up on everything Phil Tippett was going for, the overarching narrative of this film, I think, is deeply moving. And I felt impacted by what he was going for and what he was saying. I think it's effective. It works. Uh, I cannot wait to return to the movie and have a further understanding of what he's going for. This movie lived up to my expectations in every conceivable way. The stop motion was even better than I thought. There's so much style in Phil Tippett's directing. and and the, the, in terms of narrative and theme, the movie was so much better than I ever could have imagined. And there's so much more to explore here. And I love films where – a film like Tenet, where I didn't pick up everything on Tenet with Tenet the first time. But as I returned to it more and more, I've gained an understanding of what that film means and what the themes are and where the what the story and characters truly do represent. And I think that, that is a, a mad god is even a further – you know, exploration of that and a further uh, idea of just returning and understanding what exactly the full vision of Phil Tippett's Mattis is. But it's a it's a crazy, uh, insane film that I loved every minute of. It's a true masterwork. It's a magnum opus for Phil Tippett. It's great. It's a really it truly is a marvel. So check this film out on AMC Plus or Shutter, I believe, and I think it'll be worth your time. It's only eighty minutes. And I, that's a, I think that's a good thing for the type of film that Phil Tippett's making. This is not like a two-hour type of story. It is a, a good 80-minute film. Watch it. Let me know what you guys think of it. It's an interesting film. Many people are going to have different opinions on it. I think that's a great thing. I loved what I, what I picked up on from these themes. I cannot wait to return to the movie and gain only a further understanding of what exactly Phil Tippett was going for with all of these different concepts that he's playing with. It's a beautiful vision of themes and of you know great stop motion and great directing. Uh, I really did like the vision. I love what Phil Tippett's going for here. I think it's uh, really well done. And I had a blast going through this film. It's stunning, shocking, horrific, uh, and magnificent. It's a very strong recommend. Check this movie out. And I'm... Very glad that I was able to come on the show and discuss it. Hopefully you guys will uh, take this recommend and uh, go watch the film. I think that it's going to be worth your time and it's an interesting an interesting delve into 
<coughs> into this completely different, you know, world that this great visionary has created. We don't get a lot of films like this nowadays. So uh, I, I do want to give this of the strongest of recommends. Watch this movie and let me know what you guys think at moviemaymax2020 at gmail.com. I hope this review was interesting. And if you haven't watched a film, I hope that you will take this review and maybe provide it some inspiration to go watch the film. I hope that you guys check the movie out. Uh, I hope it was a good review. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to have a lot more of these original films coming up. I think the next film that we're going to be discussing is Whiplash, um, directed by uh, Damien Chazelle, who has the film Babylon coming out this year with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and Tobey Maguire. So we're going to be talking about Whiplash uh, tomorrow or in the future. I'm not sure if I'll do an episode tomorrow, but definitely in the future, we're going to be discussing Mad God or uh, Whiplash next. And I had a lot of fun coming on the show talking about Mad God. It's great to have a film that gave me such a great lasting impression, but I still don't feel feel like I know everything about it yet. That that provides for an, another interesting experience, another interesting second watch. So I'm very excited to return to Mad God. I've seen Whiplash a couple times now, and I'm very excited to come on the show and talk about what I think really works about that movie. And then we'll have some other movie news. And also, I'll probably actually tomorrow, I'm probably going to talk about Kenobi. And then Thursday, we'll have our review for Whiplash. So thank you guys so much for listening to this review. Uh, if you like me talking about movies and you're interested in maybe talking about some MMA, head over to Spotify, the Fighter Maniacs podcast. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking about that, uh, you know, MMA, UFC, all that type of stuff. So that's been a, a, a great treat to talk about that for a little bit. Um, go check out some of our other episodes. You know, I mentioned Tenet. Patrick and I did a great episode on that movie. It's my I think it's the best episode of the show thus far. It's uh, I, one of the most fun conversations I've ever had on a film. So you can check that review out. And thank you guys so much for listening to this review. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed this film. I'm glad that I was able to come on the show, share this enthusiasm on a truly original, um, inspiring piece of work by Phil Tippett. It, you, films like this with this creativity and originality are such a breath of fresh air. And the, from the vision to the themes, the originality is so breathtaking to me where, yeah, it's clear Phil Tippett has, you know, uh, directors and movies that he looks up to and, and took inspiration from when making this movie. But ultimately, it has come together in such a way where it's a completely different vision of its own. And I love that. I love films like this that are just um, truly an experience. Films uh, can work as a great, you know, narrative, a great story that propels the film. I also like films that have a very loose story, but focus on the themes and the experience that it's going to give its viewers. And that's what Mad God does. That's one of the things I like most about it. So uh, this film was awesome. It was really an incredible watch. And I was just left, my breath was, you know, taken. I was uh, really impressed by what this movie did. And it was better than anything I could have imagined. So Guys, give us the five-star rating on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. If you haven't done that yet, then what are you waiting for? Go do it, please. It helps the show. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. This was my review for Mad God. Noah Newcomb uh, dropping the mic on this film. Uh, it was awesome. Great time talking about this movie. 
tomorrow we'll talk about Kenobi, and then we're going to be talking about Whiplash. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about this movie. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.